is Kanal Patel. I am a business economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Wanted to ask you about the new Fed survey, the Dallas Fed survey. I believe it's quarterly that comes out for the energy um, sector, which is available at the Dallas Fed's website. We'll have it linked at ours as well. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Not too bad. Are you uh, at, back at the Federal Reserve building yet, or are you guys still kind of doing the remote uh, uh, distance work stuff? We, we are currently remote. Okay. It, uh, we are in a wait and see, but currently we are remote. Remote office, I think they call. It. I see. I've schools back in session, so I wanted just to say uh, distance learning. But I'm like, okay, no, he's with the Federal Reserve. He's way past distance learning, so he's got like an office and everything. So, okay, that's if, you get, uh, go ahead. For, for all the uh, essential employees, like the uh, cash, security, those are all in the office. But uh, if if it's not essential in which you must be in the office, they they have us remote. So the headline I saw was from Houston Public Media that kind of alerted me that the study was done, and it said oil and gas activity continues to dip, but at a slower pace. And, um, you know, I've seen kind of some mixed messages. I've seen some reports that say, you know, next year is looking good. Of course, that's anything done by, uh, you know, industry organizations you have to take with a little bit of a grain of salt. Uh, what you guys were looking at, was something a little bit different. I kind of, I, I dived into it a little bit this morning. Uh, talk to me about this survey, the Dallas Federal Reserve uh, survey, third quarter, September 23rd, it was published. So this is pretty much fresh stuff as of yesterday. Um, what were some of the takeaways, just initial takeaways that you saw in the report? Definitely. So at the Dallas Fed, we run a quarterly energy survey. It's for upstream firms. We have about 200 upstream oil and gas firms that are part of the survey. They're either located or headquartered in our district, which is primarily Texas, parts of Louisiana, and parts of New Mexico, although we do have some that would be participating in the DJ, in the Bach, and so on and so forth. Uh, in our latest survey, which is representing the third quarter, uh, just like you mentioned, there was a, we can call it a dip, a modest decline in business activity. Uh, this is much different than the first and second quarter where there were I would say significant declines in, in activity. And you've seen that in the, the rig count, the frac crew count, declines in oil production. And that, that really happened in the first and second quarter. In the third quarter, we saw more of a modest or a dip uh, in these indexes. Uh, similar to business activity, we saw oil and natural gas production, again, decline, but not as much as the second quarter. Employment fell, again, not as much as the second quarter. The outlooks remained unchanged, but it's important to remember that first and second quarter, we had significant declines in the outlook for, in, for, for executives in our district for oil and gas specifically. And so having it unchanged just means that, you know, if they were pessimistic before, they remain pessimistic. If they were neutral, then they remain neutral. Uh, also, in uncertainty, they, they remain uncertain. It's just that not as many are saying that they feel that uncertainty is rising. The good news is, just like you said, you know, a dip means that we are nearing potentially a bottom in terms of quarterly data. There, there looks to be more of a stabilization. Uh, the real challenge, though, is that 
lot of the executive comments use the word uncertainty. So it, it's very unclear what will happen next. I think for many of you, you've probably seen that it's unclear, you know, how many crews are going to go back out, what's going to happen to production. Uh, a lot of it is dependent uh, you'll see it again and again uh, on oil demand, uh, and and it's come down due to COVID-19. It's rebounded, but it hasn't returned to the levels we saw before COVID-19. So really it's all about uncertainty about oil demand, and it, it remains a little bit unclear what will happen in the future quarters. Just wanted to reiterate back some of the notes I was quickly writing down to make sure I have them correctly here. Uh, third quarter dip was less than the first quarter and second quarter dip. Was that correct? Correct. And I would say first quarter and second quarter were a substantial decline. The yeah. indexes were in the negative 50s, negative 60s. This latest quarter was negative 6.6. So you can oh. call it a dip. It's a single digit decline, right? So that's why some will say a dip. Somebody might say, hey, a dip let's be more specific, modest decline, right? Just to make it even more specific, wow. but you can use a dip or a modest decline for the latest quarter. Um, That's a good, so, so like if, if I'm, you know, you're, you're an economist type, so you know, you're, you're a person that looks at the da- data. I understand because the uncertainty, and I wanted to get to that in just a second, but traditionally speaking, if you were somebody looking at that, these are, you know, positive motions now after those two sharp declines to have that sort of, uh, uh, I guess, reverse towards single digits. That's that, that would be a positive sign traditionally, wouldn't it? Correct. And it's essentially what we define as a stabilization, right? Yeah. You'd have, we've seen, I think, if I remember correctly, rate counts are down 70 to 80% this year. If you go back to the first week of this year to, to now, they're down about 70 to 80%. Same thing with frat crew counts, right? And so you're, you're seeing this single-digit negative for the latest quarter. That means that, you know, you're, you're seeing this bottoming, this stabilization. The only thing is that, again, it's down a significant portion. Negative, uh, this kind of decline, you know, it, this, it didn't decline this much in 2016, 2017 have to go back to further periods in which you saw such a significant decline. And so the positive is that we're seeing a stabilization. Uh, the challenge is what, is what will happen next. And there's always uncertainty in the oil and gas industry. Uh, Dr. Lauren Scott, he's one of the heavyweights in the speaking circuit out there, consultant out of Louisiana. He helps with their economic report every year for the state. He always says uh, climate and oil and gas, the two most difficult things to project out there. You know, that's his joke type thing. But um, when you mentioned uncertainty, were you speaking of some of the COVID uncertainty or was it uh, the traditional uncertainty mixed in with the COVID? How, you mentioned, you mentioned it, so what, what's the level there, I guess? So, like, when you read through the comments, you know, always just say something as simple as, we are in terribly uncertain times. Now, a lot of it has to do with the price of oil. Uh, a variety of the executives talked about the upcoming election. They believe that if, if one or the other gets elected, then their business will be impacted. Uh, the other thing is, a lot of it is dependent on oil demand. Right now, COVID-19 has reduced oil demand uh, from people working from home, not everyone going to school. And so that's where the other part of the uncertainty happens. So like, I would say there's kind of three main things. You got oil prices, uh, you have an upcoming election, you have 
the reduction in oil demand, what's going to be the path going forward. Many of these things create a variety of uncertainty. I think that in, in the past there was uncertainty, but right now there's too many variables. W- one person even wrote, it's getting harder to forecast revenue due to the fluctuation in oil prices. Uh, I think if you go back like a couple of weeks ago, you saw prices go from 43 to 36 in a couple of days, and now it's back up to 40. A lot of these movements can make it harder to forecast revenue, and there's just a variety of things that are creating the uncertainty. Did you guys have a sweet spot for pricing, or was there uh, a projected price or anything along those lines? So every quarter we do ask our executives what their view is around year-end prices. Uh, During the survey, it was $38 per barrel was the spot price during the survey period and they projected that it would reach $43 by the end of the year. Now, again, with uncertainty, right, the lowest forecast was 30 and the highest forecast was 60. Again, but there was 162 different executives that answered this specific question, and so there can be that variability. The most picked, like, price range was 40 to $45, about 45%, or specifically 44% chose that bucket. Uh, throughout this year, they've been around expecting year-end prices around $40, 40 to, 40 to 43 and so they've been pretty consistent in their year-end expectations. So their outlook is that prices will rise a little bit towards the end of the year. And you mentioned this is for wh- which sector again? So the upstream sector. Upstream. So in our survey, we, we only do EMPs and OFO services. If we throw in the midstream, the downstream, it'll get very confusing uh, and so we just do upstream, uh, and then we can. You can also, if you go to our website, you can see the different indexes by EMP and by OFL services. I find them very useful to kind of break them apart because sometimes, like when you look at capex, the index is negative, but as you dig further, you'll find that the capex index is more negative for OFL services. Reason being likely is that a lot of equipment was purchased in 2018 that was received in 2019. You, know, you have declining service prices, there's not as much of a reason to put a bunch of money into CapEx if you're on the OFS side versus the EMP side. The reason I ask is I wanted to make sure that my next question was going to be relevant or not, but um, I was just, you know, I was reading where Africa is the last frontier for oil and gas, and I was, you know, we were talking about the Arctic uh, the other day with some people, and you know, when it when it comes to, you know, searching for potentials and things along those lines, did anybody in the survey mention, you know, any looking outside of the U.S. for new business? You know, when I'm, when I'm seeing the mergers happening, you know, the, the, the large companies, uh, the mergers and acquisitions, it just, it seems to me like there might be some people looking elsewhere for some business. I, I don't know. I'm just curious. Did, it, did that come up at all? Um, from the comments, we, we didn't see anything about uh, uh, companies looking outside the U.S. I am sure that companies are looking. They, they do look for opportunities, you know, where opportunities exist. And just like you mentioned, you mentioned the Arctic, you mentioned Africa. Uh, this wasn't specifically mentioned in the survey. I think many of them are more concerned about a variety of other issues uh, but, you know, if it is profitable, then companies will look for to these other specific regions. Um, but, again, it wasn't, it wasn't mentioned okay. in the survey this quarter. 
Well, I just I was kind of scrolling through some of the comments, and you're right. There was a lot of uh, political statements in there, and one guy said a Biden administration would be, you know, something terrible for the industry. And and when I was reading those comments, all I could think of is all the people that said they'll pack up and leave the country. And I thought, you know, I wonder if some companies are kind of looking at that. I've I've heard heard it, but not like as a political knee jerk reaction. Just more of how can I get some more, you know, business on my books type of a thing and expand. But, um, okay, so that's that's where we're at. And then the other last question I had, all right, just kind of summarizing here, Canal Patel with the Dallas Federal Reserve. This is the Dallas Fed Energy Survey coming out quarterly. A lot of people are preparing for 2021. Uh, what, what type of highlights do you think, you know, energy companies should particularly maybe pay attention to in this survey as they, a lot of companies prepare for 2021? So the key things that companies should look at for 2021, really, it's really about oil demand. COVID-19 has negatively impacted oil demand globally as people have started to work from home. Uh, kids have been doing virtual learning. Uh, really what matters going forward is the path of global oil demand and what impact COVID-19 has on it. If demand fully recovers, then, you know, there's a market for all the supply. If there, if it doesn't fully recover, then you kind of have to make an adjustment for supply. Uh, and so it, it's outside the study of the Dallas Fed Energy Survey. The survey primarily is, you know, internally it provides us with uh, the challenges and the successes that, you know, oil and gas companies are facing within our district. And then externally, it helps to inform the, the public. And so we, we, the data collect, the data collected gives an idea of what's currently happening. But going forward, we don't ask as many questions for a forward look because, as you know, it remain, right now it's very uncertain. But even in a less certain time, many things can change six months ahead. Uh, right now, the only thing that we ask looking forward is really the outlook. And the outlook remains stable. Uh, it's not really changing. The other thing is that for companies, you know, when, when it comes to whether they're going to drill in complete wells, a lot of it's dependent on price. So we did ask at what price would you see a substantial increase in the number of drilled but uncompleted wells? The, sorry, the increase in the substantial increase in the completion of drilled but uncompleted wells. Uh, most executives or the most picked answer was $46 to $50 per barrel. And then when it comes to the rig count, when would you see a substantial increase? 51 to $55 per barrel was the most picked response. Right now we're sitting at $40 per barrel. So we would need to see an increase in price to see an increase in whether it's the completion of ducks or the increase in the rig count. I think that that's when you'll, you may potentially see an increase in activity next year. All right, Elijah, I got one more question, and I don't even know if you can answer this, to be honest, because, and I'm going to be very upfront to the listeners out there, this is not his responsibility to answer this question because it's part speculation and part fact. We're in a weird place right now when it comes to the ESG world because it's finance, and so a lot of people would look right at the Federal Reserve, but I, I'm not sure that this is you guys or you're involved with this in any way, but... I don't know if you've learned anything by osmosis. I don't know if there's any set standard yet. I talked to a couple operators uh, this last week. One of them told me they're changing their ESG report from 45 pages to 98 pages before the shareholder meeting. And I didn't even know what that meant because I've been following ESG now for three, four years, 
And it's gone through different, like a different acronym. There was one with a four ESMG or something like that. And then now ESG. And then I've seen ESG scores. And so I, I know we haven't landed on a set um, ideology yet, but at the same time, it is impacting oil and gas in very non-tangible, intangible ways. And that's why it's a difficult question for you, because you're more into the facts, you're more into, you know, you can't speculate because you're, you're in the Federal Reserve. You can't. You legally can't. So um, that's why I'm saying, I don't know if you can answer this, but what has your experience been with the ESG movement in terms of financing with your position? I hope that question was not too long and you didn't fall asleep. So I would say that the aid is outside of the, the survey, the Dallas Fed Energy Survey. The only thing I can really add is that, just like you said, companies are looking at ESG. They're trying to be more, more ESG, whether it's the three different parts of ESG, environmental, social, or governance. They're working for di different ways to become more ESG, but it's really outside that the survey, and it's, it's really hard for me to provide a full answer to that question. It's, it's a tricky one because I, I could see where if an ESG score all of a sudden came out, it would be in your survey next year, for example, something like that, because it's, it's different because what you're, what you're doing with the survey is, you know, it's dealing with things that are in the reality currently. This ESG is in a very different spot. Like I said, it's, it's new, but at the same time, it is affecting people. They're putting resources, but we're not really quite sure yet. So I, I appreciate you having the courage to even answer something like that because it is a difficult question where, you know, in your, in your line of work uh, with the securities and exchange and all that other stuff, you know, people are very restricted to what they can and cannot say. But um, anyway, I, I don't, I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to get people in trouble even talking about this. But at the same time, people are very much paying attention to it. So, And wrapping up, people can go to the Dallas Fed website to uh, take a look at it. Where, where is it located at the uh, Fed's website? Uh, so you, you go to the Dallas Fed homepage. On the very right-hand side, you'll see energy research on energy research and then right in the middle there'll be the Dallas Fed Energy Survey uh, the alternative way Google always finds Google is a great way to find things just search Dallas Fed Energy Survey um, and the top link will be the survey itself <laughs>